Praise God. It's good to be together again. Hallelujah. Let's open up our Bibles uh, to do two different places. To Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 6. Luke 7 and Hebrews 6. Uh, maybe you all, I preached this sermon, uh, a couple years ago. It is a rerun. So it's really for me. I don't know. Y'all are free to come along on this journey, but this is for me. Having hope in a hurting world. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews, excuse me, Luke seven, having hope in a hurting world. You know, um, we live in a strange time where uh, you have places like Georgia and uh, was it Georgia and Alabama? And there's like nine different states now that have a fetal heartbeat bill, which means if the if the baby has a heartbeat in the mother's uh, womb, then Ta-da, you can't have an abortion. And then you have places like New York uh, and that sort of of place where um, they used to have, they used to have the idea that if you, if someone murdered a pregnant woman, well, then it was a double homicide. Well, that's no longer the case. And furthermore, they have decided uh, that you can abort a baby uh, all the way up until it is all but delivered, you know? So, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird world in which we live. So, the, the bizarre, (laughs) and so, how do you have, we have, we have this incredible struggle this wrestling match going on in our society, right? Where, um, I think it was New Jersey voted to give illegal aliens free tuition to colleges, but didn't want to, you know what a gold star family is, right? Those, somebody who's lost Uh, a loved one in combat but voted against giving any sort of benefit to the surviving children of gold star families that's like what (laughs) what yeah Um, so we live in a strange place and the battle is fierce the battle is fierce you know Paul says that we should pray first of all for the king and for those in leadership. I don't know about you, but I have been in intense prayer for uh, Trump and for his family, for his administration and uh, for our nation. And I want you to really you to join me in that. You know, uh, the Bible says that that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand. 
and he turns him wherever he wants him to go. And Paul said that we should pray for the king, that we live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. A quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. The truth of the matter is, okay, so I, I posted a meme on Instagram, right? And it was talking about, uh, the meme said, when we choose pride, we reflect Satan's nature and not Christ's nature. And I used the hash, several hashtags, including Jesus Christ as Lord and uh, hashtag pride and blah, blah, blah. So guess what started, so, hashtag pride, think about that. Guess what started showing up in suggestions for me? All this gay stuff. So, <laughs> this is the world in which we live in, that the word pride is associated with the evil of homosexuality automatically, right? It, it, it just, this is what, the rainbow, right? The rainbow and the word pride alone, those two things equal what? Homosexuality, LGBTQ, whatever not, alphabet soup that they've called themselves this day at this moment. How do we have hope in the midst of this? That's really the question. How do we have hope in the midst of our situations? You know what? Uh, you're well aware of what, you know, what Rebecca and I are, are going through, you know? How do we continue on in hope? I know y'all's situations, you know, and this is this is life, right? The it's life, the the wrestling match, the trials, and the temptations that we all face all the time. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is that. Um, you look at those homosexual folks under the hashtag pride, right? Well, they have fallen for it. Isn't that the difference? There, but for the grace of God go I kind of a thing, right? Now, you may not struggle with same-sex attraction, um, <clears throat> but there are things in your life that are temptations for you. I know I have temptations, just like anybody else, right? So everybody's got a trial, everybody's got a temptation, everybody's got some trouble of some shape or sort, right? But you and I, praise God, we've got a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That others don't. That those poor, those poor folks in that hashtag, you know, those four poor gay folks, they don't even know that they don't have to be like this. There is absolutely no evidence. There's no evidence, scientific evidence of any shape or sort, that this is somehow genetic. There's plenty of Bible for the idea that it's spiritual. Hello? Paul says, uh, and I'd, I can't remember off the top of my head, he says, some of you used to be homosexual offenders. 
You used to be. You used to do that. You used to be homosexual. And uh, apparently they're not anymore. How come it worked in Paul's day, but, uh, but it doesn't work today? See, that's a lie, right? There are tens of thousands, millions even, of folks all over the world where they used to be homosexual. They used to be in that lifestyle. They used to do those things, and they don't do them anymore. You think about yourself, right? What you used to be. I think about me and what I used to be. Hallelujah. I'm not that anymore. Amen. Used to live in 200 square foot uh, apartment, smoking my dope, drinking uh, my alcohol as fast as I possibly could. Living on hot dogs and uh, minute rice. Yeah. Hot dogs, mayonnaise, and minute rice. <laughs> When you can't afford mustard and you have a jar of, of mayonnaise, what do you do? You've, if, you've, if you're going to be a drunk, right, you've got to give up somewhere. And mustard apparently was the item, right? I just happened to have a jar of mayonnaise <laughs> and a pack of hot dogs. Yeah. That's, that's how it was, Right? Praise God. You think about what God has done in your life to this point. How far he's brought you. And how, and how, I, I can't remember the last time I had a hot dog with mayonnaise on it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was probably uh, 1988. That was probably the last time. I had a hot dog with mayonnaise on it. Yeah, I know that's a nasty thought. But praise God, that's a long time, right? Praise God, I'm not that anymore. I once voted for Jesse Jackson for president. Hello? What? Yep, I once voted for Jesse Jackson for president. Think about that mess. Yeah. I'm. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a changed man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm a changed man. I'm not a drunk anymore. I don't smoke my dope because I don't have any. And <laughs> hallelujah. Right? And I don't, I don't vote that way anymore. God has peeled the scales from my eyes. Thank you, Jesus. So no matter what you are in today, it's not as bad as this woman here in Luke chapter 7. Don't you like the way I turned that? That's called a segue. Verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a, a town called Nain. That's not much of a town's name if you ask me. But anyway. And his disciples <laughs> and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. So Jesus has got himself, his disciples, a large crowd with him, right? And there's a large crowd. Did the cat just scratch him? <laughs> and a large crowd is here for this burial, right? 
when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Don't cry. And then he went up and he touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Uh, uh, country. You know, in Jesus' day, I mean, we all got trouble, right? Like, I'm fond of saying there are only three kinds. There's your trouble, my trouble, and our trouble. And uh, this definitely comes under the her trouble, right? Your trouble. If we think we've got any sort of trouble, here this woman lives in the town of Nain, right? If you're a farmer, you don't live in town, right? If you're a farmer, you live on the farm. But she lives in the town. So, back in that day, what did women do? Women cooked and cleaned and raised kids. And that's it. That's what they did. They were all homemakers. What did the man do? The man was out there. He was the, he was the uh, candlestick maker. He was the carpenter. Uh, he was uh, making sandals. He was uh, that kind of a thing. He was, he was doing something. He was a fisherman, right? He had a vocation. So here this woman, her only source of income, namely her husband, is dead. The only hope for any sort of future income, her son, who would have been trained in the very same profession as his dad, right? He would have taken over the family business. He's dead too. The whole town, this whole big crowd is coming out of this town because they know this is a bad situation. They all know this is a bad situation. She's in trouble. Who knows? What else is there for her to do except be a beggar? Right? That's what, that's what there is left for her to do. She's got no skill. If, if the husband was a, was a shoemaker, a cobbler, well, she don't know how to do that. You know, if <laughs> she couldn't even take up sewing, as in the idea that she's going to become a seamstress, a, a tailor, whatever. Why? Because everybody knew how to do that. Her next door neighbor knew how to do that because her mom taught her. <laughs> Everybody knew she had skills that were as common as dirt. Not unimportant, but just common. She lived in town. Uh, <laughs> you know, her husband is dead and now her son is dead. Well, what is she supposed to do? The odds are her own parents are already dead. And the odds are that her in-laws are already dead. 
She's got nobody. She's got absolutely nobody. And she is crying. Now, my opinion would be this. She's not crying for herself. She's not crying in this moment because her future is so bleak. My opinion is that she really is crying because she's lost this boy. This boy is dead. You know, she's got the one husband. He's gone. She'll never have another. She's had the one son. The love between those three people must have been pretty intense. If this is the only person you've got in your life, right? And the only person that is going to take care of you is the son. That love must have been, I mean, the, you know, the love of a Jewish mother, right? That's, that's <laughs> world-renowned, you know, the love of a Jewish mother for the son, pushing the son to be better. You should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. So you've got to say it with a little Jersey accent there. I knew you'd like that. How hopeless does this whole situation be? And here she is. She's crying. She lost her boy. Her boy is dead. And Jesus tells her, don't cry. Jesus, his heart went out. His heart went out to her in compassion. What do we mean when we say, my heart goes out to you? I think we really mean that. That's where we get the phrase. This is where we get the phrase, my heart goes out to you. I think we mean sympathy. I can sympathize with you. What's the difference between what we say, my heart goes out to you, sympathy, and what Jesus said, my, his, his heart went out to her, the Bible says. It's compassion. What's the difference? Sympathy, I can't do anything for you. Compassion is is. I understand, and now I'm going to do something about it because of you, because I love you, because my heart goes out to you and I have the power and the authority, the, the whatever it is, the means, whatever that means is, to help you to change the situation. I'm going to do it. Don't cry. And Jesus messes up the whole funeral. And the beautiful thing is, you know what? Jesus didn't <coughs> Jesus didn't do it for the crowd. He didn't do it for his disciples. He didn't do it for the crowd. Not the one following him or the one that was following her. He didn't do it for any other reason than this 
this woman who is in torment, this woman who her situation is hopeless. She has a broken heart times two. Bad enough. The love of her life, her husband's dead. And now the other love of her life, her son. It just looks totally and utterly helpless. From her point of view and from the people around her, it's, this is a hopeless situation. Not only is it, oh my word, where are we going to get our shoes fixed? Right? The town cobbler is dead. Where are we going to get the shoes fixed? But oh my word, she's a widow without a male in her life at all. And Jesus, in his compassion, he does something about it. I think that's really the key for you and for me, isn't it? We should expect, not demand, not in the bratty, I'm entitled, but I expect that, Lord Jesus, you see me in my pain. And I have my hope in you. I expect that you, out of your love, your compassion, your grace and mercy, out of the relationship, the covenant that we have, because Lord, I, I, I bear your name. I am in Christ and you, by your Holy Spirit, Christ, you are in me and we are one together. My expectation is that you are going to touch whatever dead situation that I'm in with life. You're going to do it for your glory. You're going to do it for your namesake. You're not going to do it for the crowd. You're going to do it just because you love me. Don't cry. Christ, Jesus' heart is moved for you in your situation. Jesus' heart is moved for you no matter how bleak it looks. Jesus' heart is moved for you. He loves you. And His love never fails. <laughs> Have you ever thought where that love, where, lo where does love come from? Even an unbelieving mother <coughs> loves her own children, right? Even the worst mother, <laughs> right? Even an abusive mother loves their own children. Even the deadbeat dad loves his children. Where does love come from? If it's not birthed in the human heart by God, then where did it come from? God is the origin of all these things. And hence, because he loves us, 
because we have faith in him and who gave us the faith in the start? God did. It's his love It's in our hearts. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's his faith, the faith that he has given us, the measure of faith. And hence, we have hope, his hope, given to us as well. We have hope, which is the expectation, the positive expectation that God is going to perform his promises because of who he is. Man, I don't know about you, but I wrestle with that whole positive thing. You know, I've had to stop looking at the news. <laughs> it, it's so, it is so biased. It's so awful. I've just stopped. I've just stopped in entirety. I've just stopped in entirety. It's not positive. And so me, what am I, what do I, what do I do? I, I try, I try, you know, as best as is possible. And the Lord is merciful. I keep turning my heart to him. I keep expressing hope. I keep expressing thanksgiving, right? Uh, I, I, you know, I start out sometimes I, the most basic of things. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I had a good night's sleep. Or I slept, even if it wasn't good. Thank you, Lord, there was sleep. Thank you, Lord, for clean sheets and warm covers and my wife next to me. Thank you, Lord, for hot water, for soap and shampoo and for coffee and for brushing. Thank you, Lord, for brushing my teeth. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is the simple, this is just baby steps, right? Whatever you've got to do to start the momentum in the right direction, <laughs> because you just can't stay in 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 the headspace, the attack, the negativity. I don't know about you, but I was raised in a in a household where negativity was the native tongue. Yeah, where where. Nobody had a positive attitude where nobody had a good word, where nobody, nobody ever had a positive outlook. That was my household. And we tried to do different and better for y'all, and hopefully we have. But, you know, we've got to fight through those things. And Lord, Help me and pray the prayer. Lord, help me. Help me to be positive. Lord, I choose to be positive. I choose joy. I choose, Lord, to be hopeful. Lord, I choose. I, the wind and the waves are around me, Lord. And here I am walking on the water. Oh, God, I'm trusting in you. Jesus, my eyes are set on you. Oh, Lord, I won't cry. Thank you that your heart goes out to me and I have hope in you and I am walking, Lord. They're not, they're, they are feeble steps, Lord, but I am walking towards you. Lord, I am going much more slowly than, than I would ever want to, but Lord, I am, I am walking towards you on the water. 
Oh God, I'm looking at you. I'm staring at you, Jesus. You alone, Lord. This is nothing. The wind and the waves and the cloud and the lightning and the thunder, Lord. All around me, I, I, I say no. I, I am focused on you, Lord. I'm walking to you. You are my hope. You alone, Lord, are my hope. You alone, Lord, are my vision. Jesus, you alone are my hope. Jesus, you alone are the vision. Jesus, you alone are my goal. Jesus, you alone are my hope. I hope in you. I hope in you. In you, Jesus. I keep walking. I keep walking. I keep walking. I keep walking. Step after step. How do we have hope in this hurting, fallen, incredible... I mean, the battle is raging all around us for the very soul of this nation. And we've got to ignore the news, which is... It's only news if it's negative. Right? It's only news if it's negative. You hear about the hurricane and the tornado, but you never hear about the cleanup. You never hear about how, oh, the the storm came through Houston, right, and destroyed all this stuff. But but you never hear, you hear about that. You never hear about, oh, it was restored and now it's bigger and it's better and people gathered together and they pulled together and they, you know, they rebuilt community. And now the community is better. You don't ever hear about the good stuff. You got to pray. You, if my people will humble themselves, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. What is it to humble? You know what? humility is this. I am an American and America and America chooses to tolerate abortion. And Lord, I repent on behalf of America. On on behalf of my people, I repent of our evil ways. Lord, you are the only hope that we have, Jesus, that we would be cleansed from abortion. You are the only hope that we have, Lord, that we'd be cleansed from homosexuality and cleansed from this whole ridiculous transgender thing, this sickness, illness. You're the only hope, Jesus, that we'd ever be cleansed from the hate that would cause a person to walk into a business and start killing people. The evil in, a, in someone's heart to do that. I mean, London has banned knives. They, they don't have guns. So people went around stabbing each other. Hate in the human heart finds a way. And you and I, we have got to humble ourselves and repent on behalf of this nation so that God has the open heaven, the open door 
we should we need to pray and expect that God is going to do his word and his will. God is going to have the glorious victory in the United States of America. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is our expectation. So it doesn't matter what you are going through. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have the expectation that Jesus is the name above all others. That God supplies all of our need according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That Jesus, by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. That we have favor and success in the work of our hands because Jesus Christ has given us those things. He has redeemed us from the curse, redeemed us from our sins. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Hallelujah. He has set us free so that we can increase in freedom and spread that freedom. Hallelujah. Even the gospel good news. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do we have hope in a hurting world? Man, we hold on to Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive. Not even death could hold him. Not only did he, he raised this boy from the dead. Hallelujah. But you know that, that that wasn't a resurrection. That boy eventually died. Hopefully of, of old age. <laughs> but he, went, he, de- he died. <laughs> Jesus died, resurrected now, and lives forevermore. He can't ever die. He died once for all to take our sins away. Amen. Our hope is in the power of Jesus Christ, His His name, His blood, and His resurrection. Hallelujah. You there in Hebrews chapter 6? Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 13. When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for Him to swear by, He swore by Himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. He guaranteed it with an oath that by two unchangeable things, what are those two things? His promise and His oath. He swore by Himself, by His own name. And He gave us the oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible 
for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. That is in heaven, right? Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Say this with me. Guaranteed. Say it. Guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed, as they say in Louisiana. It is guaranteed. Guaranteed. You know, a friend of ours had a vision. Uh, she was praying for us, you know, and uh, she was in a worship service. It was a worship-only kind of a service. She was praying on our behalf. And, and she saw us, and we were a little itty-bitty, and there was a huge wave behind behind us, you know. And there was a huge, it was God's finger pointing at us. And here comes the flood. She said it was a flood of provision coming to us and the finger of God pointing at us. Yes. When God points, when he decrees something, that happens. When God gives you the promise and his oath that this is real for you, this is real. He says, I promise and here is my oath. It is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. It is going to happen. We've got to continue to hold on in hope. We've got to anchor this this brain of ours. You know that's what your soul, where your soul is, right? In the gray matter in between your ears. Your soul is made up of your will, mind, and emotions, right? So the, everything that's going on in this gray thing, right? This brain, the will, mind, and the, and the emotions, this, this is your soul. This is where you make your decisions, right? Are we going to yield to the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to freak out <laughs> about the wind and the waves, about the storm? Amen? Yeah. An anchor, most anchors go down. But yours and ours, yours and mine, our anchor goes up. The anchor on the bottom of the ocean is only, only holds as, as, as good as the rock to which it's hooked onto, or the sand on which it lays. And the right storm can dislodge that anchor. A heavy enough storm, heavy enough seas can dislodge that anchor. But there are no storms there up above. There's only peace, healing, Provision, favor, success, goodness, grace, love, and mercy. 
So your anchor and my anchor are supposed to reach up into heaven and grab a hold of it. And there our hearts and minds are supposed to stay fixed. Not looking at what the events around us are other than to repent, other than to intercede. But ultimately, our focus is here in heaven. And my heart, our hearts, that's our home. And now we just connect our hearts and our minds to that anchor in heaven. And we hope, we fully expect that God is going to do what He promised He would do. You know, God didn't promise Abraham on a Monday that uh, He'd give him a child and then they, did, they got pregnant on Tuesday. That's not how it happened. God promised when Abraham was 75 and here comes Isaac and he's 100. 100. Hello. That's serious. You talk about a hopeless thing. But it wasn't hopeless. Not for Abraham. Abraham who, who trusted in God. Abraham who expected that God being as great as he is and as great as God had revealed himself to Abraham was fully capable of getting past Abraham's super dead body at age 100 and Sarah's dead and dried up womb. Abraham knew that God was not impressed with, with, who, with the physical nature of who he was. God was not impressed with the, with the circumstances surrounding the issue. He was not, God was not impressed with your trouble. but it's you and me. We've got to hold on by loving God, trusting God, and holding on in hope that His Word is true and that He, God Himself, is faithful. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's prepare our hearts for communion.